available in more homes than the Pac-12 Network. We are the Podcast of Champions. I'm David Woods from Bruin Report Online. And here he goes, Miles Jack! And I'm Ryan Abraham from uscfootball.com. Liner, going to try to sneak it ahead. Touchdown, SC! We are the Podcast of Champions. Welcome back, everybody, to a podcast of champions uh, after a brief layoff. I'm uh, David Woods from Bruin Report Online, the UCLA site on the Scout.com network. And I'm Ryan Abraham, the publisher of USCFootball.com, the USC site on the Scout.com network. And we are the podcast of champions. Well, we were. And then we're back. Uh, we took a little, maybe five months off, Dave. And, uh, Just five brief months. Yeah. So things got a little crazy. Um, uh, we could talk about that stuff. You know, I, Dave's multiplying and, uh, yeah, there's lots of, so. I'm being fruitful and multiplying. <laughs> uh, but we, we, we got a lot of tweets. People wanted yeah. the, the podcast to come back. I think people on our, my message board, on your message board were, were talking about it. So we, we were like, you know what? We really should get together, figure out a time where we can do this and, uh, and crack one out. So as of now, our, our website is still packfullpodcast.com. Uh, yeah. it might move around a little bit. We're moving over to Audio Boom, but you should still be able to find us on iTunes and all of that. Uh, you can tweet us at Pac-12Podcast or email us, which we've, I don't know if we've checked this in a while, Pac-12Podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. Uh, We're a really well-run operation. I like, I think that's really the, the, the thesis here. Uh, yeah, but it's good to, it's good to hear from you again. It's good to, uh, to start this baby back up with the season approaching. We're, uh, what? We're early August right now. Season is 27 days away. Is that about right? Yeah, I think so. You're the engineer. You, you figure out my math. <laughs> figure out his math. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's approaching. I think everyone has started fall camp, if I'm not mistaken, in the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, UCLA, I think, was one of the last ones, and they started on Monday. Um, so I think everybody is raring to go at this point. Um, and, you know, we haven't talked in a while, um, uh, but it's, the Pac-12, so when we when last we spoke, which was in March of this year, we were still talking about how the Pac-12 missed out on the playoff, and I think a lot of the talk going into this season is also about how the general parity at the top of the Pac-12 uh, could lead to something similar again. Where do you stand on this? Yeah, well, I'm not worried because Larry Scott made, you know, he said when he was asked about that, he, he said he wouldn't worry until the Pac-12 misses out in five or six years in a row of the playoffs. So if, oh, he, okay. if he's okay. not worried, I, why would I be worried that that could happen? But if you just look at the, and we're going to go through the, uh, the very worthless coaches poll, uh, sponsored by Amway, USA Today coaches poll. Um, and it's kind of like it happens this way with the Pac-12 a lot, Dave, where you have one or maybe two teams that are like the, you know, people think they're the elite teams and they're in the top 10, but maybe not super high. And then there are a whole bunch of teams in like the 20s, you know, that are, well, they're good, but where are they good really? So they don't kind of like fit all the way through. So that, it's kind of a similar situation this year. Uh, Stanford's, you know, number seven and then five, you know, four other Pac-12 teams are 17 and below. So it's kind of the same old model. They're not really sure what to do with the Pac-12. Yeah. It's, it's very, very interesting. Um, it's interesting because the slogan of the Pac-12, if we all remember, is conference of champions it's the conference of champions 
Um, and if you're not actually in the playoffs, you cannot be the the, the champion, right? <laughs> you 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 are you're the conference of like fifth place. Then. Um, unless they meant the conference of like the you know Pac-12 conference champions, but then it becomes very uh, circular. Yes. Um, <laughs> But anyway, uh, well, it's funny, Larry. So Larry Scott, the beginning of Pac-12 Media Day, I was timing this. He spoke for about 17 minutes in his opening, and the first he mentioned football once in like the first 15 minutes, just to say, and I know you guys are here for football, but and then went back on to talk more about Olympic sports. So he talked about anything but football at the opening of Pac-12 Football Media Day, and then the last two minutes he spoke a little bit about football. That was it. But the focus for him was certainly. The championships, maybe this is where it comes from, and all the other sports. But it was—it's funny that I couldn't imagine the SEC or the the Big Ten having the conference commissioner come up and speak in front of all the media on you know the the media day for football, and you talk about anything but football. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's sort of the only thing you can you can only imagine it in the Pac-12, the conference <laughs> where like a huge percentage of the fan bases of various schools can't see a lot of their games. Because of the Pac-12 network, yeah, it's wonderful. There was one so, one bit of news that uh, apparently Verizon FiOS will now start to carry the Pac-12 network or some form of it or something. I don't know if it's happened yet. I haven't seen it, but that's what I have. So I'll potentially be able to watch the Pac-12 network now. So I'm kind of happy hey, about that. That's huge. That's huge. Yeah. You've got to stick to uh, the the basic like Time Warner, AT and T, like I do. So when I was ordering AT&T, um, everyone goes to DirecTV now, right? Because they want to get, you know, NFL network, NFL packages, the whole deal. And so when I was ordering my AT&T cable, I actually had to like page through their website to find their old Uverse service just because I had to have the Pac-12 network. <laughs> it's, they don't even, they barely advertise it anymore. They're trying to push everyone so hard to DirecTV now since they merged. Oh, wow. So, and that yeah. and, and that was the whole thing. Larry Scott felt that when AT and T acquired Directv, that would get the Pac twelve network, and it's actually worked the opposite. So yeah. the Pac twelve network's losing because if you don't have Uverse, you're not going to be able to get the Pac twelve network. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, well, well, well thought out plan there, Larry. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it's football season, so we're going to talk about these rankings that came out. Again, it is the coaches' poll, so this literally doesn't matter. It will not matter at any point. <laughs> They could rank anyone in the top 25, but it wouldn't matter. But this can be a decent enough snapshot of where things stand, at least in terms of national perception early on in the year. Um, so leading everything off at number seven, Stanford, um, also at well, Packard well, Media Day picked to win the conference. Well, Dave, Dave, hold on. You're jumping ahead because oh, okay. people really wanted to hear this. Pac-12 Roundup. And, of course, this. Stanford Cardinal. I wasn't anticipating you being so ready with them. <laughs> I, I, like it didn't even occur to me that you might still have those just ready to go. Um, but Stanford picked seventh. Um, I, I don't, I can't find a way to disagree with this. I'm, um, David Shaw dragged me kicking and screaming, but I finally come around to the idea that he's probably, if not the best coach in the back 12, probably number two behind Chris Peterson, but it's one of those two and there's no real argument against it. He's proven, and I, I'm a big system guy when it comes to college football. And you see teams like Alabama just kind of rolling along, and it's you know guys get replaced, assistant coaches get replaced. I think he's kept that system that Jim Harbaugh put in place that 
maybe Jim Harbaugh wore out his welcome and wasn't, you know, just kind of wore it out there. But David Shaw has been able to keep that sense of toughness, keep recruiting NFL offensive linemen, uh, keep having good skill. I mean, he's just been able to make it work and, and replacing a bunch of guys on defense and still coming out on top. And the fact that they were able to, you know, win the Pac-12 uh, last year and, in, in, you know, convincing fashion in the Pac-12 championship game against USC. Uh, I think he's proven that he's taken a good system and was, was able to keep it going, keep it alive. And, uh, and, and that's why I think Stanford's the class of the Pac-12 now. And I, you know, I picked them to win in the media poll for Pac-12 Media Day until someone can knock them off. And the North, I think, is really stacked this year and is going to be really good. But until someone can knock them off, I just think Stanford's going to be the class of the conference. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I completely agree. I think, um, even with replacing, you know, Kevin Hogan at quarterback, Hogan had a good senior year, but before that, I mean, I wouldn't say he was necessarily too far above average. I mean, he was above average, but I wouldn't say he was too far above that. Um, and they're replacing him in that rarest of occurrences. They're actually replacing their previous starting quarterback with a redshirt sophomore, which happens so rarely now in college football because so often it's true freshman starting or redshirt freshman starting, but uh, Keller Christ, um, redshirt sophomore will take over and he's actually had a little bit of playing experience. So, um, I, they've got kind of an, in a lot of ways, they've got kind of an old school program there. Um, and for whatever reason in this modern era, it's, uh, it's working extremely well for them. If you look at the schedule, Dave, um, out of the conference, they play, uh, Kansas State, they have at home, uh, the end of the year, they play Rice, uh, at home. The, the tough one's going to be at Notre Dame uh, on Saturday, October 15th. Um, and they're, you know, you know, as far as conference schedule goes, they have to play USC and UCLA in the South, so that's not easy. They play Arizona. You know, that's that, you know, could certainly be a tough game. But I think the schedule's fairly manageable with some, you know, some of the better games at home. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I, I, I also picked them first and to win the Pac-12. Um, I think they've got, you know they've 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 owned UCLA pretty well for the last uh, for a long time now, um, and I, I think the rest of their I mean it, it you know at UCLA tough game at Washington tough game so those are two of the three and then they obviously play USC at home um, that's three tough games to start off conference schedule but after that it gets pretty manageable at least in terms of the conference so yeah I think they're set up to do pretty well it's just looking at it it's not the kind of schedule where they're going to go where i wouldn't think they would go 11 and 1 so getting to the whole point of you know is the pac 12 going to get to uh, the playoff this year if you take that stanford's probably the best team in the league i'm having a hard time finding 11 wins for them in this 12 game schedule i think they're more like a 9 and 3 10 and 2 because i just think there's too many good teams in the pac 12 and not not that truly elite team yeah, we'll see if they kind of get rolling. I mean, obviously they had a slow start last year. That Northwestern game really hurt them. And I, I thought David Shaw, I mean, that was his worst coaching performance of the year for sure. Um, oh, for sure. But they got it, they, they got it rolling again. Now, will they be able to now, you know, replacing Kevin Hogan? He was, you know, pretty effective last year, but you got McCaffrey to, to lean on. Um, I kind of, I don't know. I, I kind of think they're going to do an 11 1 this year, but. And we'll see. I, I ten and two or eleven and one, I would guess. By nine, I have a hard time seeing them lose three games. But you know, it's it's a Pac-12. Anything can happen. 
So I'm expecting you during that Kansas State opener when they're down seven to three entering the fourth <laughs> quarter. I'm expecting the same sort of just vitriolic madness from you as during that Northwestern game last year. That was baffling. No. Yeah, that was nuts. Um, all right. So next up we at have... number 17, who do we got? USC Trojan. Okay. So this one's, this one's a little interesting to me. So USC obviously, always one of the most talented teams in the league. But the way they ended last year, you know, not exactly with a ton of momentum. I think that's probably fair to say. Um, won the South, but uh, bad game at Stanford, then lost the Holiday Bowl. Um, coming in at number 17 uh, after that 8-6 and six year, Why? W- what's your take on the Trojans this year, Ryan? Yeah, I think it's a little high for them. It's more just kind of reputation, I would think, that why they were ranked that high. But they didn't finish the season strong. Really got thumped in the Pac-12 championship game. And, you know, to, it was a crazy year because you, you, whenever you fire a coach mid-year and USC's got experience doing that, um, <laughs> it's tough. You know, and Clay Helton comes in and was the interim for a while. Then he was the permanent head coach. Um, and that was kind of weird, the timing of that. Everything, just so much stuff was weird last year around the program. Somehow they managed to go undefeated in the Pac-12 South, which is crazy. Like, how did they yeah. beat every team in the South? But they lost, you know, three teams in the North and, you know, Stanford twice. Um, and then really laid an egg in the Holiday Bowl against Wisconsin that, you know, wasn't just kind of Wisconsin was what you thought they would be, like well coached and disciplined and, you know, run the football. And, and you lose to a team like that. You know, it, it was just, it wasn't the great finish, I think, that you would want. Now, I think they probably built some momentum with the recruiting class and all that. And people are kind of rallying around Clay Helton a little bit, but it's a really rough go for this team to start the season when you're playing Alabama and Dallas, you got Utah state at home, which is not going to be a cupcake. I mean, that's tough. And then you play Stanford and Utah back to back on the road, six days apart, you know, so three of the toughest, you know, three of the toughest teams in the country, you play in the first four weeks all away from home. I, I mean, to me, it's going to be hard for if if USC can get through that two and two, that's going to be saying something. Um, one and three is certainly possible. Um, so I I think it's going to be tough, and because you have a new coach and a whole bunch of new players and stuff, it's it's a fuller looking team, Dave. Like I've been out to practice, and it does look more normal with like backups or regular scholarship right. players and not walk ons because of the not Gerard. Yeah, not like me or Gerard playing out there or something. Um, so I think that's good, but it's just it's going to be so tough. How can you mentally stay in the, in this process if you do struggle against, you know, Alabama and Stanford and you're one and two going on the road against Utah on six days rest? I mean, it's like, or on six days, you know, six days away. I, I just think it's going to be tough to get going. You know, maybe they could go in later in the year, but there's a, that's, I think that's a lot to ask for a team that's going to be pretty young and, uh, you know, with a, a lot of new faces and not a lot of new coaches doing things that they've never done before. Clay Helton's never been the head coach, you know. T. Martin's never been an offensive coordinator. Kenichi Uday's never been a defensive line coach. So you have all these people doing things for the first time. It's, it's just, I think the deck's not really stacked in their favor. Even though it's a very talented team, it's going to be tough to get going. Yeah. Just putting my cards out there, I, I think I picked USC to win the South. I can't even remember my poll, but I think I picked USC to win. Um, I just don't know that they're a, you know, 17th team in the country type team. Um, I think the South is taking up bit of a step back this year um i i guess the big questions around usc are mainly who's going to be the quarterback is it going to be max brown or sam darnold and 
you know, generally, I think the front seven and on defense and figuring out who's going to fit there. There's lots of talent, obviously, but figuring out who's going to play where. Um, how are you breaking down the quarterback competition at this point? It's tough. You know, I think both have played really well. Um, there's just a lot of reasons you want you want to start Max Brown because he's the redshirt junior. He's been around a while. I mean, guys from his and, and he and he's going to transfer if you don't. Start yeah, him. he can he can transfer. He's graduated already, so he could leave right. and play somewhere else. Uh, I mean, Jared Goff was in his recruiting class, ranked well below him, and he was the number one. <laughs> you know, it's like okay. Um, so I, I, you know, I think his patient. He was very patient so far, but I don't think you can be patient any longer. You don't want to be the backup to a redshirt freshman. And but Sam Darnold's thrown the ball really well. They had a scrimmage yesterday in the Coliseum, and you know the play broke down. He took off and ran up the middle, and it's like wow, you don't really see that dimension usually at a USC football team. So he definitely brings something different to the table. Um, I would still give the edge to Max Brown just for, you know, other reasons. But, um, and the front seven, it'll be interesting. I think there's a lot of depth there. there there's going to be three new faces at defensive tackle because they re, they were replacing five guys from last year, big guys that, you know, interior defensive linemen. Um, but they bring over, uh, Stevie, uh, Tuakolovatu from Utah, who was mm-hmm. a part of their, you know, great defensive line rotation. And he's 25 years old, you know, married, all this stuff. So he brings a sense of maturity for sure. They have a, a JC transfer, Josh Fatu, who's another big guy, kind of looks like Antoine Woods, who left you know, from last year. And they moved Khalil Rogers for, you know, um, an East Coast kid, uh, from Delaware, from offensive, uh, you know, from center to defensive tackle. So they, they, they added some bodies there and they have a bunch of young sophomores that were really, you know, good freshmen last year. They just, I think it would have been a lot to expect them to, to carry the load. So it might work out okay. Um, yeah, there's definitely bodies there. They have they have choices now, uh, but there's still a lot of guys, you know, productive guys they have to replace from last year. So it should be an interesting year for the Trojans. Um, coming in at number 18 is the most hyped team of the offseason in the Pac-12. Washington Huskies. <laughs> I, so I was an early adopter of the Washington hype for this year, but, like, I'm already one of those, like, guys in the music scene who's like i liked them before they were cool and now i don't like them anymore <laughs> i mean i think washington's going to be better than last year i think they're going to be like a solid nine and three team but there were at least a couple of people who picked them in the playoffs and i mean jake browning's pretty good but i don't think he's ready to lead a playoff team um their defense is good but it's still pretty young and their offense i mean yeah it started to look better at the end of the year but i would I, I would say it was still a far cry from good last year. Um, it was pretty average to bad most of the season. So, I mean, not to throw cold water on it, and I am guilty of saying that Washington was a three-win team last year at the beginning of the year, but I'm 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 not seeing an 11-win team here, and I'm kind of wondering about that hype. How, how, where do you stand on the Huskies? Well, it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do this year because, I mean, last year I remember you picked them to win four games, right? Three, I think. Three. I think I took the under on four wins. <laughs> you know, they only won seven, but they, I thought they were getting it rolling at the end. And I get why there's, there's a hype machine kind of around them. And Chris Peterson, like you said, could be the best coach, uh, in the Pac 12. Um, the fact that they, you know, had to replace four top NFL draft picks on defense last year and still come in with the best defense in the conference, I think it proves that, you know, that's a system thing that, hey, we can make it work. We don't need, the high profile guys all the time. Like it helps, but, 
um, overall, our defensive system is going to work, and it's, it's, it's been great. I think they've done a great job in the Pac-12 playing all the different kind of offenses and quarterbacks that you de- end up seeing. And, and Jake Browning, I think, matured, and uh, they got better towards the end of the year, and it was definitely a different sort of offensive team at the end of the year than it was uh, in the beginning. And then I do like you know the early schedule. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's, <laughs> it's Cupcake Central, you know, with Rutgers, uh, Idaho, Idaho, and Portland State, all in Seattle. So yeah. uh, that's good. And, you know, in Arizona, they go on the road against Arizona, but then it's the the Stanford, Oregon back to back, and getting Oregon in like you know early October might be a little different than getting Oregon the first you know in early September because they got another. FCS quarterback thing going on. So, you know, they could be better by then. You know, they might be struggling at first. Um, so th- I, I think that's a, you have a real shot because you got the two, you know, other teams in the North. Um, and you'll know a lot by October 8th. Um, if they're six yeah. and oh or something at that point. Yeah. I mean, the hype machine is going to be going crazy, but they have a bye week after that. So, um, you know, if they can split against Stanford and Oregon, beat Arizona and they're yep. five and one. I mean, I, I, that, that'd be a great place to be in for Chris Peterson. Yeah, I, I mean, I buy the Huskies this year. I think they're going to be pretty good, and I think they're. I think I picked them second in the North because um, I think Oregon might fall off a little bit. But um, I mean, it's it's an early. I mean, here's the thing: anytime you look at a Pac-12 schedule, you say, "Oh, that conference schedule is pretty tough," because there's you know always seven pretty good teams in the Pac-12. Uh, but non-conference, that should be three and zero right there. But then you've got to go. I mean, at Arizona. You know, Arizona's probably the better of the two Arizona schools this year, and we'll get to that in a little bit. But Stanford at Oregon, Oregon State's a cupcake, but then you've got at Utah. Um, Cal's probably going to be pretty bad this year. Then you've got USC. Then at Washington State, Arizona State's probably going to be pretty bad this year. But it's um, it's not an easy schedule. I don't think there is an easy conference schedule in this league. Um, but if things break right, like you said, I mean, it wouldn't be a complete shock to see them be six and zero at that bye week break. I mean, it would be surprising, but it wouldn't be you know one of those shock the world things like when Cal was randomly five and zero last year or whatever it was. Right. Um, I, I think uh, there's enough. I mean, their defense might be might be the most talented in the league or you know in that top three conversation. Um, and if Browning you know has really shown some development in the off season, they've got a good running game behind Miles Gaskin. Um, if Browning's shown some, shown some real development, who knows? They could win the North. I mean, I don't, again, I don't think there's a dominant team in the league. So it should I mean, be very interesting I mean, to watch. If they're six and oh, you're talking, now you're talking playoff because they would have beaten Stanford and Oregon already. We, yeah. we both think the North is way stronger than the South. And if they're in that spot, I mean, Oregon State, Utah, Cal, like, no, if you've already beat Stanford and, or- and Oregon, Oregon State, Utah, Cal, USC, Arizona State, Washington State, none of those teams are going to scare you. I mean, that's, then you're, you know, you could certainly lose to one or two of those teams, but you'll, you know, you lose to one and you're 11 and one and you can win the championship game. You're talking about a playoff bid there. So that, that would be an amazing start if they could get off to something like that. Yeah. I think if you were giving me odds on who would win the Pac 12, I'd give you, I'd, it would be Stanford, but for who might make the playoff, Washington would be close to Stanford, if not having slightly better odds, just because their non-conference is so weak. Um, and as we've learned, it really doesn't matter who you play in your non-conference. Um, I mean, they'll get through that 3-0, and but Stanford has to play Notre Dame and, and Kansas State. Um, so they might even have 
you know, if you're doing the mathematical, you know, breakdown, they might even have a slightly better chance of making the playoff, even if I don't think they have a better chance of winning the Pac-12. Um, it's interesting. But anyway, um, moving on to another team in the North at number 22. Oregon Ducks. All right, so Oregon picked behind Stanford and Washington, and it'd be interesting to look at to see when was the last time they were picked behind two other Pac-12 North teams in any ranking before the season. I'm guessing that it was probably 2009, 2008, something like that. Um, in any case, uh, Oregon uh, coming in at number 22, still a lot of, I think, quarterback uncertainty is the main name of the game up there. Um, they're going from Vernon Adams to... Uh, What's his name? Dakota Prukop? Is that his name? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, it's one of those names that it sounds like something fake from a fantasy novel, and so I don't, it doesn't have a, it doesn't really register in my brain. But, um, I, I mean, if they can get quarterback figured out, and they don't have any of the injury issues that Vernon Adams had last year, um, then you'll, you'll like the offense okay. Um, the question for them last year was their defense was at times just atrocious, and they're going to have to show some improvement there. And I don't know. What's your level of confidence that they will? Yeah, atrocious is a good way to put it. Um, there's just so many games when they're just giving up so many points. And uh, I think if you hope that you know Mark Helfrich learned something from last year, starting an FCS quarterback and, uh, and you know, running the ball with Royce Freeman because he's an absolute stud and getting the, you know, getting the ball in the playmaker's hands. Um, but you have to shore up that defense a little bit. When you play wide open on offense, if you can't stop anybody, it's just like fast breaks all over the place. And, uh, and we've seen that offense struggle at times when you're trying to work in a new quarterback. So I, I'm not completely, I think that defense will be a little bit better. I think they'll, they'll handle the kind of whole rent a quarterback thing a little bit better because you did it last year and you kind of learned from some of the mistakes. So I, I don't think they'll get off to as slow of a start. And of course, you know, Vernon Adams, there was the injuries and all that kind of stuff too. And the fact that you're finding out that after the the transfer quarterback, there was no one in the and no one in the whole program that you had any confidence in whatsoever to throw a pass, which is just kind of <laughs> crazy. Um, it doesn't seem like that's changed when you do it again a second year. But I I think that I think the defense is going to be a little bit better. But I, like you, I, I still actually I think I picked them to finish second uh, in the North, and I had Washington third, but you know close between those two. Um, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to watch them. I just don't. I don't have as much confidence in them, you know, with the system with Helfrich coming from Chip Kelly as I do from, you know, David Shaw and Jim Harbaugh at Stanford. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, I think their offensive system is going to be fine regardless. I think they've got that pretty much nailed down and figured out. But um, defensively, they've, you know, they had a little bit of an ethos during the Chip Kelly years, but it's since just become kind of a bend but don't break, not very interesting scheme to watch um and they've really struggled um so it's going to be this is kind of a i don't know kind of an inflection point for that program because washington is clearly ascending um chris peterson like i said up top i think is probably one of the top two coaches in the league however you want to quantify it with him and david shaw um and he's very clearly building something in seattle um and i don't I don't know if there there's room enough for two, you know, dominant Pac-12 Northwest teams along with Stanford. Um, I think uh, I think when Washington's very good, I don't know that Oregon is also going to be very good. 
It's, it, I think it's going to be really, really interesting to see the dynamic because those are really, those are the rivals. Um, Oregon obviously has Oregon State and Washington obviously has Washington State. But in terms of competitive balance in the conference, I think Washington and Oregon see each other as rivals. And it's, it's interesting to watch the way this is kind of flip-flopped, not even during the season last year, but over the last six months of the offseason with the perception of Washington getting so much greater and uh, Oregon's uh, star beginning to fall a little bit. And I think if you look at the schedule, um, if Oregon get back, get past that September 3rd game against UC Davis, you know, then it's kind of downhill from there. Now, UC Davis at home, uh, <laughs> Virginia at home. Yeah. Shouldn't be that, should be able to beat them. Then you go at Nebraska on September uh, 17th. So that's really the first big one. It'll be the, you know, big ABC game. Um, crazy fans. Who knows what, you know, Nebraska had so many heartbreaking losses last year. Uh, that they just lost at the end and, you know, get to see, uh, get to see Mike Riley again. That, that'll be really one you want to circle and check out. Absolutely. I think that'll be a lot of fun to watch. Um, all right. So at number, uh, 24, who we got, Ryan? We have, let's see. I got to look and see what they, see, I was this one I didn't have queued up for some reason. Oh, yeah. you know why? Why, why is that? <laughs> UCLA Bruins. <laughs> Uh, the Bruins coming in at number 24th, entering the season ranked after exiting last season unranked. Um, so this is, it's interesting. So the Pac-12 media picked UCLA to win the South. As I already revealed, I did not. I actually picked UCLA third in the South, uh, behind USC and Utah. Um, I think, um, there's a lot to like about UCLA. I think Josh Rosen, you can make an argument. I'm not, I'm not making that argument, USC fans out there, but you can make the argument that he is already the top quarterback in the league. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think there's no argument that he's obviously in the top two or three. Um, but, uh, there's, there, there are some question marks. Um, first, another strength, the defense, uh, should be much improved from last year, the run defense, especially. They moved to a 4-3 from a 3-4. They got more bulk up at the line of scrimmage. Um, they should be able to figure out the run defense, which was at times awful last year, um, and it should be better this year. The big question for me is they're changing offensive schemes and the offensive line itself. Um, the the scheme is changing to more of a pro-style scheme um, away from that Nolmazoni spread. Um, and judging by spring and now the first couple of days of reports from fall camp, it's just not, I, I, I don't know that it's clicked yet. Um, and it might very well happen in the next week or two, but I don't know that it has quite clicked yet. And then the, uh, the offensive line, the starting group, probably pretty good, but there is pretty much zero depth behind that starting group. And as anybody who watches college football knows, uh, you lose offensive linemen very, very rapidly in college football. And, you know, UCLA is at the point where if they lost a tackle, it's not even quite clear who would end up being the backup tackle at right or left. Um, Right now, it's a redshirt freshman, Andre James, who in an ideal world is probably a guard. Um, so I have I have some concerns about the offense. I think if everyone stays healthy and the system, you know, starts to really gel during fall camp, um, they could have a really, really nice year. But there's there's some more uncertainty around the offense than there probably has been in the Mora era for me, even with Josh Rosen as the uh, starting quarterback. Yeah, I, I actually picked uh, UCLA to win the South in the media poll, and it, you know, it 
I just felt the whole South was a, a notch below the North. Um, and, and really the Josh Rosen factor was the, the main reason why. Usually you, you see a lot of returning quarterbacks in the Pac-12, not as many this year. A lot of teams are replacing their quarterbacks and, you know, having a true freshman coming into his, you know, true sophomore year, I think you can grow a lot, um, and learn a lot. And I, you know, so I kind of expect Josh Rosen to take that next step and, and lead this team. Now you want to keep them upright. So if the offensive line is going to need to stay healthy, I mean, it could really go south. If, like you said, a couple key injuries, especially a tackle, I don't think it would be bode well for UCLA. But just with the Josh Rosen factor, that's kind of why I, you know, I picked them to to win the South. But I, I think it's pretty open. Um, yeah. But you know, Eddie Van, Eddie Vanders is back, right? So he'll be he'll be back helping the the front. Is that true? Am I? Yeah, yeah. that'll be a and that'll be a huge deal. Um, that's part of the reason I think the run defense is going to be a lot better. I think UCLA, I, I mean, I, I, probably the, I think it's going to be a more solid team than last year. I don't think they're going to have the weird things where they give up, you know, 300 plus yard rushing to random teams. Um, but I, I, my main concern is simply that offense and whether or not it can really gel. Um, Kennedy Palomaro is a really organized guy, but he hasn't, I mean, even at USC when he was offensive coordinator there, I don't think he was calling plays and I don't think he had necessarily designed the offense itself. No. Uh, so it's, uh, it's a whole new deal for him. Um, and he's got a lot of nice pieces to work with. He's got Josh Rosen. He's got a nice core of young receivers. Um, the running back situation is very good. Um, but that offensive line, if you're trying to build a pro style offense, you need a good offensive line and you just got to hope they stay healthy. Yeah. But that's, uh, that's UCLA. And it's, uh, it's, you know, they're, UCLA is part of a really amazing opening weekend of college football. Yeah. You know, we talk about USC going, uh, we're not talking about Oregon and, and UC Davis, but, um, USC's playing Alabama, you know, at Jerry World in Dallas. And, uh, UCLA's going to Texas as well to play, uh, Texas A&M at Kyle Field. Yeah. That's going to be a lot of fun. I, I would think, a, I mean, kind of a pretty awesome weekend. Yeah. Both, you know, both programs have, you know, there's been some struggles. Um, you know, Kevin Sublin, you could argue is on the, the hot seat a little bit. You know, having two quarterbacks leave. Um, there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty around the, the Texas A&M program, but it's, you know, SEC team going on the road early in the, in the year. Um, I mean, that's one of those statement games for the Pac-12. I don't know if you go in and expecting a USC to, to beat Alabama. Maybe you hope that they compete and, and keep it close so it doesn't embarrass the conference, but this is one for the conference, you want to be able to, to bring home and win. Yeah. Uh, otherwise it just kind of knocks the whole conference down a notch when the SEC is like, Oh, you know, we, Texas A&M beat UCLA to start the season and, and the SEC is better. Yeah. In terms of respect for the conference, I think the big thing for USC against Alabama, and I'm not meaning to make USC sound like the little sisters of the poor here is just, you know, don't get blown out. Yes. You know, make it a competitive game. Um, you know, I, I think nobody, I don't think anyone besides, you know, Trojan fans are probably expecting a USC win there with a you know a new quarterback starter and some uh you know various new starters across the board but um keep that one close and then I think UCLA and Texas A&M you know Texas A&M they were close to falling apart last year I don't think anyone's expecting that team to be a juggernaut this year so UCLA notching a win in that one I think would be pretty critical for the conference. Well, those are the, the five teams that were ranked and we're kind of, I just kind of went through how we had our power rankings, uh, from before. Um, and there's kind of, you know, do the rest of the teams. And this is a team that some people are picking to win the South and you picked them to finish 
Second. Uh, second. Yeah, it's uh. Utah Utes. And we will have thoughts from some of the publishers that we got thoughts from, but I don't think Utah's one of them. Utah's not right. one of them, unfortunately. No, we actually had Utah in our, our number four. Uh, I mean, they were ten to three last year. We had them four in the power rankings. I would have ranked Utah um, if I were handling the coaching poll. Um, they would have been in the twenties uh, somewhere for me. I actually think they've got a chance to be pretty good. Um, they lose some guys, but it's kind of, you know, it's like Travis Wilson. Yeah, he's gone now, but was Travis Wilson ever really a whole lot better than a replacement level quarterback? I, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know that you're actually losing much there, but they still return ton of defensive players, um, a good part of the offensive line. Um, they got the number one JC guy last year who's going to slot in at tackle. Um, I think they have a chance to be pretty good. And as we saw, um, Devontae Booker's backup last year actually ran pretty well when he came in after uh, Booker um, got hurt towards the end of the year. So I actually think uh, Utah could surprise some people. I would not be shocked at all if they won the South. Um, I think it is wide open. I think uh, any of those three teams, uh, UCLA, USC, or Utah, could win it. Uh, but Utah, it should be a very similar Utah team to teams we've seen in the past. Strong defense, good running game, um, questions at the quarterback position, but when has Utah not had questions at the quarterback position? Yeah, I think strong line play is going to help this team on both sides of the ball. And, uh, you know, I got to see... Um, he was essentially like the number three, you know, third in the depth chart for, for Utah, Stevie, uh, Kolovatu, Um, and, you know, got to watch him. He's going to come in and probably start for USC and be a stud. And he was like the number right. three guy for Utah. I mean, they, they, they have linemen and they have on both sides of the ball. And I think, uh, the system, when you talk about liking systems, I like what Kyle Whittingham's system has been and, you know, he hasn't broken through and, you know, won the South and, and done it since he's come to the Pac-12, but he's right there, you know, to win 10 games last year. You know, they beat BYU, uh, you know, in the, in the Las Vegas Bowl. They beat Michigan earlier in the year. They're, they're right there on the cusp. So this, you know, with a wide open South, I think that's why Utah has a decent shot, uh, at winning it. And, you know, some of the experts that I've talked to, you know, think they are going to win it. So, and the schedule isn't, uh, you know, isn't that difficult with Southern Utah? Uh, you know, BYU is never going to be, you know, it's a rival kind of thing and San Jose State, but you know, they get USC at home and that's coming off a of six, you know, six days off after they played Stanford. Um, they get Washington at home. They get Oregon uh, at home. So, I mean, there's some of the bigger games in conference. They're actually get to play at home too. So I think it's a manageable schedule, good system. Great line play. So, yeah, replacing the quarterback is one thing, but I think a lot of other factors are going in Utah's favor. Yeah, I think they're one of, like, six teams I picked to go, like, 9-3 and three this year in the Pac-12. Um, there's just, you know, it's a lot of parity up at the top, but you're like you said, their schedule isn't that daunting. Um, if a couple things break right, you could see this team going 10-2. and two. Um, I think I've always liked Utah. I think they're a solid, solid team, and they've – Obviously made the uh, transition to the Pac-12 a little bit easier than their counterpart in the uh, in the mountain region. Who did we have uh, number whatever next in the uh, in the Pac-12 rankings at the end of the year? So we had uh, Utah was four. We had Washington number five, and number six we had Washington State Cougars. The Cougars. Um, so Washington State 
you know, that's another team that I wouldn't. So I, I think that Washington is probably better. And I think Stanford is probably better. But I wouldn't be stunned if Washington State also competed for the Pac-12 North. Um, that should be an improved team from last year. And last year it was a pretty darn good team. Um, Luke Falk returns. A lot of offensive weapons return. It's, I, I think it's going to be a pretty solid team. And if they can avoid, uh, some of the early season special teams gaffes that they had last year, uh, they, they could also be another nine and three type team. Um, the, this, this conference is loaded with good teams. We did have Barry, Barry wrote in, uh, and gave us some insight. So I can, uh, read that to you. Actually, this is the most insight we got from one of the publishers, but. Uh, the Cougars were nine and four last year. So nine games, not too bad. Um, so he wrote first off on the lines. He said the Cougars have some holes to fill on both, uh, both sides of the ball. How well they plug those spots will go a long way to determining if they are, it's another nine win season. Uh, longtime starters, uh, Joe Dahl and Gunnar Eklund are gone on offense while defensive line losses are Destiny Faveo and, uh, Danny Paulo. I hope I, Daryl Paulo. Daryl Paulo. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, Andre Dillard, left tackle, picked up valuable reps down the stretch last season when Dahl was hurt and six foot eight, 351 pound Cody Connell dubbed as the continent by Mike Leach takes over for Uckland at left guard. Both look solid in spring ball. The Cougs have seasoned vets at other offensive line positions. Leach said at Pac-12 media day, he believes the starting unit can be as good as the 2015 group. So that's saying a lot. Uh, for, for on the defensive side, the, the lone returning starter is Robert Barber. Um, projected to step in a tackle is Daniel Akule. I hope I pronounced that right. And Hercules Matafa taking, uh, taking over at the end. Um, let's see. So, and he also talks about quarterback depth, depth. Uh, Luke Falk is one of the nation's best. And therefore, there are a few fall camp questions with the Cougars Heisman hopeful. But as they say, the backup quarterback is only one play away. Experienced backup, uh, Peyton Bender now playing JC ball due to academic woes. The race to be Fox understudy has, uh, Tyler Helinski against JC transfer Anthony Gordon. This could be one of the most entertaining position battles in fall camp. Regardless of who wins, facts are facts. Fox backup this season will have never taken a snap in a major college game. So that was from Barry Bolton and Greg went, uh, Greg Witter. They both wrote in about that. Thanks guys. Um, yeah, whenever you're talking about the backup quarterback uh, competition being one of the most interesting competitions <laughs> in camp, that means your team's probably pretty decent. Um, so, good. Go go, Cougs. All right, so who's up next? Uh, let's see. So we had uh, number seven in the poll was actually uh, UCLA. So we already talked about them. Number eight, we had California Golden Bears. Ah, uh, the sturdy Golden Bears. Uh, I don't anticipate them being all that sturdy this year. Um, they lost a ton. Uh, they're breaking in a new quarterback. Jared Goff's out. Looks like Davis Webb is in, who actually bounced between a couple of Pac-12 programs on his long transfer journey, uh, but ends up at Cal. Um, and I think he's expected to pretty much step into the job. Um, but They've, uh, they lost a bunch of receivers, um, lost a good amount of talent just across the board. Um, it's going to be probably a rebuilding year at Cal. I, I wouldn't be stunned if they, you know, had another four and eight type year. Um, there's just, uh, there's not a whole lot of wins to go by when you look at that schedule. Yeah. You know, one thing I forgot to mention on Washington State, they actually play at Boise State September 10th. So that'll be a big one. 
uh, Pacific Northwest Bowser's. I forgot to mention that. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, with Cal, do you think they're going to have a five and oh start? Probably not. I mean, they're going to play, you know, in that stretch, they would have to beat Texas, Arizona State and Utah. So yeah. not going to be easy. Um, and Jared Goff, who's playing down the street here in Los Angeles now with the, uh, Los Angeles Rams. That's, I think that's what all the talk, you know, trying to replace a legend like that. It's not going to be easy. And the, the end of the season last year, there were some, some rough patches. I, I think it's going to be tough to get going. I think, you know, beat Hawaii. It's weird to have a, you know, they, they play Hawaii early, uh, August 26th. Um, yep. and then you get a week off and then you play, uh, you know, at San Diego State, which not a lot of people would go play down there. So that's interesting, you know, help for recruiting. But then you have that stretch of Texas at Arizona State and Utah. Um, that's going to be tough. It'll be a tough run there. Yeah, and it's a very backloaded schedule. So you've got that that six games at the beginning, and I could see them going something like three and three in that stretch. I mean, I think Arizona State's falling off this year. I don't know how good San Diego State is, but a Pac-12 team should generally do pretty well against San Diego State, and Hawaii's generally pretty bad. So I could see three and three during that stretch, but then after that bye week, October 15th, they go Oregon at USC, Washington at home, at Washington State, Stanford at home, UCLA at home. I mean, they could go one and five, oh, and six during that. I, I wouldn't be stunned. Um, there's, so I, I think, um, I think if they get to bowl eligible this year, I think it's kind of a rebuilding year. I think that would be a win for, uh, Sonny Dykes' program that would sustain a little bit of, a bit of momentum and give them something to sell heading into the 2017 season. But, uh, I, I think it will be a year where they kind of drop off, uh, quite a bit from the golf era. All right, and then we had at number nine, Arizona State Sun Devils. <laughs> the most menacing noise. Um, so Arizona State lost a good deal of its coaching staff, actually, in the offseason. A bunch of assistants, Mike Norvell, offensive coordinator, uh, left. Um, they're, you know, in kind of a rebuilding mode as well. Um, going to be breaking in a new quarterback this year. Um, there's you know, kind of been some losses across the board. Um, I think they were, I could be wrong, but I think Vegas has them as a, uh, I think they had, they set their over under at about five wins for this year. Um, I don't know if I have them being quite that bad, but I think this is another team that's going to be right around bowl eligibility this year. I just don't think that they've quite got the horses that they have for most of the Todd Graham era. Yeah. They lost to West Virginia by a point in the cactus bowl. Ended up six and seven on the year, which is crazy. I mean, I, I, I totally forgot that. I just assumed that there was like a seven and six or an eight win kind of team. I totally forgot, man, that team lost seven games last year. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people, like you said, predicting to take a step back. Um, they play, uh, Texas Tech at home, uh, early on. So they have Northern Arizona and, uh, you know, UTSA, those roadrunners. Um, <laughs> They play that one actually on the road in San Antonio. So that'll be, uh, interesting. But, you know, play Texas Tech at home. You got to kind of get that one. Uh, but they have Oregon on the schedule. They have Washington on the schedule. So Washington State. So, I mean, it's not an easy Pac 12 North, uh, run they have to make. And of course you have to, you know, get through the South as well. But it's, I could see it. You know, I think, I think if this team's above 500, you're doing something right. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, Todd Graham will, you know, prove me wrong, but it just seems like, like you said, kind of more of a middle of the road sort of team this year. Yeah, it kind of looks that way. Um, it's going to be, 
I, I think it'll just be tough for them to really, really compete in the South. I don't know that they've got, I mean, it, Todd Graham, the one thing he does have is an eye for coaching. Um, and I've, you know, I'm pretty confident that the scheme wise, they'll be in pretty good shape, but it's just, you know, replacing quarterback, the uncertainty there kind of hurt them last year. Um, They've still got that great running back tandem of Demario Richard and Kalen Balaj, the one that we were begging them to run more last year. Um, so, you know, maybe if they reinvent themselves as more of a running scheme, more of a power running scheme, that could uh, do some good for them. But, yeah, I think it could be a, a bit of a struggle for them this year. And then we had at number 10... Um... Arizona Wildcats. <laughs> The Wildcats of Arizona. Um, did we get anyone, anything on this one? I know that they've uh, had some really awful news in the last couple of days. Yeah. This. Uh, so Jason just wrote in, basically. Um, and I, I don't want to mispronounce his name. It's Zach Hamilia, I believe, is how you say it. Is that? Is that? I. How? I'm. I'm not quite sure. I think it's Hamila or Hamilia. Okay. Sorry, but H E M M I L A. But um, he ended up passing away in his sleep. Uh, he said the team is devastated. By the loss, not only was a great kid, but also was going to be the starting center as well. It's a big loss on a lot of levels, and nobody knows how this team will react and practice moving forward as it is taking it extremely hard. So it's uh something like that happens. And we saw you know, a couple of punters. It was Nebraska and I think Michigan State end up passing away. Uh, you know, it's something like that happens. You're talking about, you know, young kids, the whole life's yeah. ahead of them. Uh, it just kind of puts everything else in perspective. So yeah, you're not really sure what kind of reaction, you know, Rich Rod and the, and the staff and the players are going to have after, you know, losing a, a, a guy like that from the team. Yeah. It's, I, I mean, I would expect them to rally and that this, I mean, generally the, you know, young, young people are resilient. Um, and I would anticipate that they'll rally around, you know, the memory of this, of this kid and, uh, the whole deal. It's just, it's such a tough thing. You know, UCLA had this a few years back with, um, the walk on, uh, Nick Pasquale who, who passed away. Um, and, you know, they kind of rallied around it. And that's usually what you see is, you know, these guys know, knew each other for a very long time and they kind of, they, they, you know, have such strong feelings for each other that it helps them, it boosts them a little bit. But it's obviously such a tragedy. Um, and, you know, we can talk about Arizona and its chances this year, maybe later on. But I think, you know, this is this is probably the the news of the day for Arizona, and it's uh, obviously heartbreaking. They, uh, yeah, I mean, it's. What are you gonna say? I mean, you never want to see someone, you know, prime of your life and uh, to be taken from this earth. It's just, it's just a tragedy. So it, but it, you know, it could be like you said, a rallying cry. People could. You know, you don't want to have to have something like that happen to get everyone to play well, but it's, it's, it's a, an event that can bring people together. It yep. gives players, coaches perspective and fans perspective. And, um, you know, it overall, you know, that the team might use it to rally. Um, they do have a bye week this year, Dave. So I like that. The Rich Rod, yeah. she joked yeah. about that right in the middle of the season. So it's kind of <laughs> like they tried to give them a perfect bye. Yeah. Um, they play BYU and start the season. They have Grambling State and, Hawaii until they get into the Pac-12 schedule, but it's it's I mean it's rough. The first four Pac-12 games, or the first five Pac-12 games, or even six, they're at Washington, at UCLA, at Utah, USC, Stanford, and at Washington State. So that's not a real uh, easy run to uh, to start the the season off with. 
Right, and you know, if we got a preview last year of what their defense might look like without Scooby Wright, yeesh. Yeah. Um. So, uh, that's going to be interesting to see how they replace a guy like that. You know, they tried last year and it didn't really work out too well. Um. Offensively, you know, a new Solomon returns. Um. So they've they've got their starting quarterback. Whether whether or not Rich Rod commits to starting him this year will be interesting. Um. He's always been kind of, I think, a little lukewarm on a new, but um. That'll be interesting to see, but I, I've got Arizona as being a little bit better than Arizona State. Um, I think that they're going to be a, a maybe a solid bowl team this year. I think they've got enough pieces, but um, obviously, you know, season or fall camps not starting off uh, with good news at all. So no. So our thoughts and prayers are with the uh, whole Arizona family there. Uh, we'll you know we'll we'll follow this throughout you know as we as we see it go forward, but. Uh... You know, just, just terrible thing. Terrible thing to have to talk about. Absolutely. Um, number 11. Colorado Buffalo. Oh, the buffs. So, interesting thing. We just talked about Davis Webb going to Cal. Um, he had originally committed to transfer to um, Colorado, um, but then ultimately decided to go to Cal instead. Yeah. Uh, Colorado was initially intending to redshirt Cepho Lufau this year because I think he had a he has a Liss Frank fracture in his foot or he had that last year. That's what sidelined him. Um, so they were hoping to give him a full year of rest to kind of get the whole thing fully healed. And uh, now they can't do that. He's going to have to play this year. Um, and you know he's healed, but those Liss Frank fractures are weird. You know they can you know they can cause some instability in the foot. So. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see. I think Colorado's going to be better this year. Um, they kind of took a small step back last year, I would say. But I think they're going to be better this year. It's just, again, it's kind of that situation where are they going to be enough better that they're going to come out of the cellar of the Pac-12 South? And I, I don't I don't think so. I mean, I, I think, you know, Arizona State and Arizona both are, you know, hovering around that bowl win, that, that bowl team mark. Uh, but I don't know if Colorado's going to have if there are enough wins out there for them. Yeah, four wins last year, uh, one and eight in conference, so they did win the Oregon State Bowl, and they were able to get that conference win. Uh, will they be able to squeak out another couple? We'll see this year. We did have uh, Adam Munster-Tiger right in. He's with BuffStampede.com, which is now part of the Scout.com network. So welcome, Woo-hoo, Adam. Welcome, Adam. Yeah, it's cool that Adam's uh, joined us at Scout. He's definitely the best in the biz when he cover, you know, covering Colorado. He said... First off, welcome back. I'm so glad to finally officially be on the same network as you guys. Following the Davis-Webb saga, the biggest concern for Colorado became quarterback Sefa Lufile's health. Fortunately for the Buffaloes, he made a quicker-than-expected recovery from the foot injury. Uh, he suffered Week 10 against USC last season. He's been full go since June. There's been no need for the Buffs uh, staff to limit him early during camp. Uh, JC transfer... Jawan Winfrey, a four-star receiver, both as a prep recruit and then coming out of uh, Coffeyville Community College, has looked apart and should provide a nice compliment to Shea Fields in the Buffs receiving core this season. Colorado offensive line is the team's biggest question mark, even with left tackle uh, uh, Jeremy Irwin back. He most missed most of 2015 with a torn ACL. On defense, uh, they return all but two starters, and they get uh, get back nose tackle Josh uh, Tapoy, likely a future NFL... Uh, future NFL player. He missed last season because of suspension. Uh, 
Addison Gilman, who's a former All-American, freshman All-American, is also back at middle linebacker after missing all but two games last year for a knee, from a knee injury. And with the emergence of rising sophomore quarterback Isaiah Oliver, there's a lot of optimism about Colorado defense that jumped up 46 spots nationally in scoring defense in its first season under Jim Levitt. So that's good news. There's a good depth on the defensive line, and there's some concern about Colorado's depth at linebacker. And in the secondary, total of 412 starts are represented this year's Colorado roster, the most in school history. After losing eight conference games by a touchdown or less the previous two seasons, the pressure is on the Buffaloes to turn those close losses into close wins. There's no longer room for excuses or moral victories. Woohoo! All right, laying down the law, Monster Tiger. Um, yeah, and their schedule, um, not easy. Uh, non-conference at Colorado State and at Michigan, which I don't think either of those is a complete gimme. And then opening conference with at Oregon. And then there's Oregon State, and then it's at USC, then Arizona State at home, then at Stanford. I mean, it's a, like everything, it's a tough conference schedule, but, um, should be better this year, right? Should be. Uh, well, so the issue last year, Losing to Hawaii in that first game, that just was just a heartbreaker, you know. It just put, kind of put things on the rails. There was a chance for, you know, making a bowl. You know, we talked about the chance to make a bowl game. I don't know if there's the same kind of chance. You know, Michigan's going to be a tough game. You know, Colorado State, you know, on the road, that's not going to be easy, easy either. Uh, you know, they play Oregon and Stanford, uh, from the north. Um, so not, not a, not an easy run, but I think, I think they can squeak out a couple of wins. Maybe they're both coming from the South, but, uh, I think there's some potential Pac-12 wins there. So they get off that, you know, they got off the, the zero mark from last year. Maybe get to two, two Pac-12 wins this year and be an improvement. But I think like, like Adam said, the defense should be better. Um, you know, it's nice that Cephalufa is healthy and, and be able to go. The whole Davis Webb thing was kind of crazy. Cause I think when we had him on the podcast last, he talked about that. It was a big deal that he was transferring in for him to, you know, kind of bail. And uh, go to Cal. Obviously, it wasn't ideal, um, but you know, I, I think this team could be better. Will it make a run at a bowl? Uh, it would be, you know, w- without Michigan on the schedule, I think there's a good chance. I think it's going to be tough uh, playing at Michigan. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right. Well, we have uh, one last member of the Pac-12 to talk about: Oregon State Beavers. <laughs> Oh, the poor beavers. Um, cellar dwellers last year, and um, I'm not seeing a whole lot of hope that they're not cellar dwellers this year. Uh, quarterback situation, not good. Um, bunch of guys transferred in the offseason, still no certainty at that position. And Kalani Sataki moved on to BYU, their kind of star recruiter, defensive coordinator. Um, what reason for hope are we seeing for Oregon State, Ryan? Well, Angie wrote in, so let's see what she... Uh... Uh, Angie Machado, who runs BeaverBlitz.com, she said, Oregon State's working to improve upon last year's 2-10 and 10 season, which means many new faces to starting positions across the board for the Beavers. Uh, on offense at center, the Beavers are looking to break in a new center this year. Um, it's Yanni, well, this looks, sounds Greek, Demok, I don't know, D-E-M-O-G-E-R-O-N-T-A-S. I'm not going to even butcher it, but He's going to get a first look. So go Yanni. Yanni. Go Yanni. Uh, throughout the first three days of camp, the Beavers have been, have seen some struggles with the quarterback center exchange. 
uh, which makes this an interesting storyline at camp. If the struggles continue, look for sophomore Trent Moore, way easier to pronounce, to get a good look uh, for the Beavers. Could, uh, he could move forward at starting at right guard. Senior Gavin Andrews over there as well. Um, at running back, there's nine backs currently on the depth chart with uh, Ryan Nail as a starter. Or not, no, it's Ryan Nall. My, my Ryan Nall. Yeah, Nail. David Nail is a country singer. Hey. But this is Ryan Nall, uh, who is not a country singer, as far as I know. Aside Maybe from Nall, <laughs> you don't know. Questions loom with speedster Paul Lucas, who also plays receiver, uh, Kyle White and Tim Cook. Uh, they're all battling for that number two spot. Uh, let's see. Defensive line, Kyle Pico, the, the Beavers Stewart at left, at, at tackle, excuse me, moved on. So he's with the Denver Broncos now and leaving the Beavers with a lot of youth on that line. Uh, they have some experience, players that have incredible size, including sophomore, oh man, Kalani Vakamialo, six foot three, hey, 311 pounds. I, like I have no idea. That's probably not right. There's, there's a couple extra vowels and syllables in there. And redshirt freshman, uh, Ilu, Adon, A-Y-D-O-N, six foot three, 327 pounds. Defensive ends, Beavers, so start, they're going to probably start a true freshman on one side, Isaac Garcia. Uh, let's see. And there's a couple guys expected to battle for the other spot. Uh, Garcia is not going to arrive. He's going to arrive at camp next week. So he's coming in. Uh, he isn't in there yet. So, um, I didn't hear a lot of optimism there. It's kind of like, these are the facts. Yeah, these are, are the facts. It's not they looking. They are disputed. It was ten, ten to two, you know, two and ten last year, and it, there's not a lot of reasons to expect a whole lot of improvement this year, I guess. Yeah, very sad, very sad, Oregon State. But we're hopeful. We're going to root for you this year. Yeah, they got the, um, they got the early on their first conference game could be like the big determining one. They play, you know, at Folsom Field. They play Colorado on October first. Yeah, and uh, they play. At Minnesota, they got Idaho at home, and then they got Boise State at home. Yeah. Um, so that's a tough little stretch. But that that Colorado game, you win that one, who knows? And maybe you know. And you're off to the races. Yeah, but it's uh, you know. They, hey, Cal, Cal, they have a chance of beating Cal. I'm gonna say they have a chance of beating Cal. Yeah. At home in Corvallis. They got Cal at home after that. So yeah, if, if you go on the road and beat Colorado, I think that could build some momentum, and you could beat Cal. Yeah. And there's your two pack twelve wins, but you know then hell get to get to four and eight this year, and I think everyone is going to be you know singing happy songs in Corvallis. Yeah, but it's a it's tough. So from the south, they're playing uh, Utah. They play Colorado. They play Utah. Uh, they play UCLA, and they play Arizona. So it's not not exactly uh, an easy stretch, but you know those are the facts. Colorado's your best shot at winning a pack twelve game, I would say. Yep. All right, well that's it, right? Yeah, that's uh that's all packed all the twelve teams from the Pac twelve. Well, that was fun. That was fun. We should do this again sometime. Like maybe regularly once a week. Yeah, like five months from now we can do another one. Yeah, maybe give it a shot. We went over an hour, but I guess we haven't you know, so five months. I don't know what that breaks down per week, but that's not a whole lot. So uh No, it's about a probably a minute. <laughs> <laughs> probably two minutes, something like that. Right. Well, I know you got screaming kids and stuff to, to go handle, so yeah. We'll let yeah. you go, Dave. But check it out. So, yeah, you can write us, you know, pac12podcast at gmail.com. Uh, we're, we're trying to retool this, trying to make it work for both of our schedules and stuff. So we do apologize for not having been on for a while, but, uh, we like doing it and it's, everyone seems to like listening to it because we get all these emails and stuff about it. So we do apologize for not being around and we'll, we'll try to do this a little more often, Dave. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. 
All right. That's David Woods. I'm Ryan Abraham. You've been listening to the podcast of champions. Check us out. Pac12podcast.com. Thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you next time.